Yo yo, what's up guys? Um welcome back to Void. This is our eighth episode, which is crazy when you just think about it. Thank you, thank you, thank you one thousand times to anybody who has shown support for us out there. It means it means the world, so thank you a lot. God bless you. Um episode eight today is the last episode in season one. Relax, relax. It's the last episode of season one, so We'll be back after a short break, but of course we have to leave you guys with something a little bit special. So today, with the usual Eugene in studio, of course, um, we have a very, very special guest. She's going to introduce herself later on. Um, and of course, today's topic is something that I feel everybody needs to hear, um, something very, very important, not just with current world events, but of course, the whole objective of this podcast is to bring you guys the topics we feel you need to hear and the topics you want us to discuss. So, um, yeah, we'll just get straight into it. Um, today, we're talking about Blacks at the Back, which is based around racial inequality, not just in life, but around, you know, the job field, business, education-wise. So everything involved and all the nitty-gritties, all the ugly little parts of it that we feel like we need to bring to light. So today in studio, we have our very, very special guest, Anjuro. Again, I'll let her introduce herself. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So my name is Wanjiro. I am 19 years old from the 254 Nairobi, Kenya. Um, I'm passionate about creating authenticity in all facets of my life. So be it that through my friendships, my work with um, interior design, content creation, filmmaking, photography. Basically, my main passion is to create authenticity in literally each and every aspect of my life. So that's generally who I am and what I'm about. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I completely respect that, man. Like, I don't know. Personally, I know I can't, but anybody who is listening to this podcast, take like a second and think to yourself, what is authenticity and am I an authentic person? You know, you know, like think about it for a second, food for thoughts as you go through the podcast today. So to kick us off, let's just hop into it completely raw. Um, with the question, uh, racial inequality. What do you, what do you guys see as racial inequality exactly? Um, I mean, the most obvious answer is, you know, discrimination based on the color of your skin. And the funny thing is that the way it works, it's only black people who are discriminated against. I mean, the discrimination against, you know, guys of Asian origin isn't as bad. You know, in fact, they have some sort of respect for being smart. You know, Africans, there's nothing associated with other than being poor, you know. And like that, that in itself is what racism is, dude. And that's why black people can't be racist. End of story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, controversy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, basically what Eugene said, and I also side with him when he says um, black people really get the worst end of the spectrum. Because, I mean, when people say people of color... I, I really can't I, I can't put myself into that um 
that box because the way black people face it is almost like I dare say way worse than anyone who can generally consider themselves as a person of color or people of color. It's it's controversial, yes, but I mean that's that's my truth. So that's 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 how I take it because personally I am an international student. Um I study in the UK, so I've experienced racism in literally almost I'd say, I'd dare say almost all its forms. So I have experienced it firsthand and I can talk about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can ask this question and um, I'll point a question to each and every one of you. When did you realize that you're black? When, when did your blackness become loud enough for you to be like, you know what? Hmm, this, this is a problem. So, yeah, when, when did you realize your blackness? Actually, I have the funniest story. I went to Singapore once. <laughs> I had braids and everything and I was at the passport control and then you know all of my friends are being scanned they're entering they're entering my turn reaches that guy looks at me he looks at the passport he looks at me again <laughs> then he just he just put me in some room and then you know yeah, they make you scan your fingerprints on some Interpol machine and some other stuff. Oh, and at that point, I was just like, like those guys treat you like, because I was in a room with like at least 10 other people. The way they talk to me versus how they talk to those other guys is that's how I realized I'm black, dude. No cap. Yo, that's crazy. That's crazy because like, maybe at the time I wasn't like at a level where I could recognize it. But when I was going through, of course, now again, border control landing in, I think it was Spain or France, somewhere during summer last year, um, I was stopped and swiped. Like, they swipe your hands, your bag, your shoes for drugs, man. And it's like, you go through a scan and then out of a line, because I was apart from my family, they ha- they had gone a bit ahead of me because I left something on the plane. So they had gone ahead. I was pulled out of a line, you know, swabbed, everything. And of course, negative, negative. And I'm like, okay, what's up? And of course, they still continue to ask me, have you been in contact? Have you? Did anyone pack your bars for you? So, like, again, as we've said, it's not apparent racism. It's like, I think the word Eugene used was sneaky racism or something like that. Very subtle, subtle, racism. Racism. subtle racism. Subtle racism. Yeah. But like, the all the same. Yeah. Those guys are elite. Those guys are so racist. Like, Oh, with that micro-like aggression. Yeah, dude. Like, there's a lady. There's a lady who I rented a house from. And obviously, I moved out of the house. So I'm just trying to get my cash back from her. But every time I speak to her, she speaks to me so aggressively, you know? And then when she, like, because uh, obviously, it's like, there's a line and stuff. So there are guys who've gone before me. And I've seen how she's talking to them. One day, I saw her just spaz. One day. I'm sure I like, man. No cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like... I can't personally speak on the next topic, which is racial inequality in terms of, you know, the job market and business, because, um, you know, Dave said in his song, Black, being black is walking twice as hard than people, you know, you're better than. And um, you see this in like, I don't know if any of you have had any particular racist experience with teachers, lecturers, for example. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have I have a lot of like ooh. Yeah, tell us, tell us what, what was 
the farthest store with the spice. It was the worst, or at least most obvious display of racism from a lecturer or university employee or anyone in general that you've met during your time as an international student? So um, when I left for school, I think when I arrived in the UK, that's when I became very conscious of my race. Um, and to make matters worse, um, I was in a class of about like 15 people um, during my foundation course. Um, one, I realized, okay, I'm black. Um, yeah, you realize, like, you enter the room. You realize like, oh, you're black. Yeah, you're black. Not just you're black, you're like, like, oh shit, you're black. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I, I sat in the room and I was just like, okay, you know, you assess people. And I was like, okay, the the the, the men and the, the males and the females. So it's like, oh, this one is from this nationality and this one is from this nationality and X, Y, and Z. And I was just like, there's no one who looks like me. Like, I was the only black female in my class. Like, we were two black, no, actually, we were three guy, black um, people in my class. And I was the only black girl in my class. So I feel like, not to get controversial actually I was about to be like not to get controversial but we're already here get controversial. so like um I'm the only black girl in my class that that was my experience and it was so oh my god I became so 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 conscious and then with the UK like and I don't know if Eugene will be able to say the same it's like microaggressions. It's like, oh, you speak very well. Like, I can't tell what oh. country you're from. You're so eloquent. Oh. Like, um, I can't tell. I can't tell where you're from. Um, uh, it's it's not being able to pronounce my name right. Like, literally, the reason why I have started um addressing myself and introducing myself as Wanjiro is because I mean, if you can pronounce Daniswaski, all those other names, you <laughs> can pronounce Wanjiro Mushiri. Um. So yeah, um, it's it's in the UK they 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 do it in form of microaggressions. So for me in my class, um, I had to strive to be okay. Generally, as a person, like I've said, authenticity and excellence is my brand. So it's like I have to strive twice as much as everyone else in the room to be. So that it's almost like you 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 can't find anything to pick on me about. Um, I really had to make sure I strive to be this um, excellent person twice as much as everyone else in the room. So um, when it came to um, doing presentations, I have to make sure like I'm on top of everything. When it came to my essays, I had to make sure I'm on top of everything. Like, uh, I can't necessarily say that I have ex- have a, have had a, like a really bad bad experience in terms of. Um, uni but outside of uni oh i have things to say (laughs) i have things to say um being black in the uk or being an international student in the uk is going into a supermarket and shopping for things and the security guard is like following you around like you're about to take something like being black is for me i was walking i remember there's a night i was walking um to go and buy a few things and it was in the middle of the night and some guy, like, he just starts hurling insults. He's just like, go back to your country. Go back. And I remember I was feeling like, what? What's, what's this guy saying? Why is he saying that? 
And that was literally on my second week of arrival to the UK. I'm already homesick. Um, pressure week, pressure week. Like, <laughs> there's so many things that's going on. <clears throat> and this guy is saying all these things. So you can imagine, like, how that was for me. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, with the UK, they like pretending. For me, I feel like they like pretending that they're, like, like so politically correct. And racism is, to them, or to majority of them, it doesn't exist. But it's there. And and it's subtle and it's 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 subtle but aggressive, it's subtle but aggressive. So yeah, dude, yeah. Um, even another thing I want to say is that the black people here are also racist to Africans, dude. No, yeah, right. Like you know, like when I first came Wait, to uni, yes, bro. When I first came to uni, and these black people who look at me like, like, like we're not the same color, dude. Even though they will talk to you, man. Like I was like, dude, I'm black. You're black. We should be friends, you know. <laughs> so many times, you are like I usually go to these like African Caribbean, you know, things, and you just feel so left out because everybody there is like this guy is from Africa, you know. Like there's something bad about being straight. Like I'm more black than you, dude. <laughs> like you know, states about um, money in this case. Like, yeah, they man. don't know there's so many COVID millionaires from Kenya. Man, like it's so pissing <laughs> off, dude. It's so pissing off. And then even like uh, Kasha was saying, they ask you why your English is so good. If you don't realize you colonized us, you idiots. Okay, 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 okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, I always remind them. I always remind them. So you colonized us, you left us with your language, but you expect me not to speak your language. (laughs) And we study under your system. Like, I treat your system. Guys, guys, guys. So let's take... Uh-huh. Let's take a little a little break, you know. Let's take a break uh-huh. at the 14 minute. Halfway uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. through, let's take a break. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you guys, if you're listening to this podcast, we want you to know we didn't just pull a random person off of the street to come and bash, you know, racial inequality or say it's something that happens. Because no, um, Andrew has had experience in the UN. I'm hoping everybody here knows what it is, the United Nations. So she knows her stuff. She has had experience with racial inequality, not just through what everybody else goes through. You know, university life, just living gets you attacked with racial inequality. But she has had experience, um, which will tell us, you know, are these larger organizations that are, supposed to be quote-unquote the good Samaritan of the world so um after a short break you know tell us tell us about um whether this stuff is as prevalent or what are the differences if there is any with racial inequality in such high held up you know world organizations such as the UN um so I, I genuinely say I feel like whenever you're a black person working within these organizations, you're taken as the token black person. I don't know if that's uh-huh. something you've heard before, but to like to the quota. Yeah, it's like the token black person to reach like this, so that you know they can sprinkle like, oh, we're we're diverse, we're diverse. We have black <laughs> people also, so um, that can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. Personally, I take it to be a good thing because it's like, okay, fine, we're getting somewhere. 
but then again um i take it to also kind of be like a bad thing because when you whenever you see these organizations un aside just generally i always see the percentage is like okay we have like five percent um of diverse like our team has like a five percent diversity whatever yeah inclusive like we're oh we're inclusive five percent like it doesn't make sense to me because we need more people but then like again with the same thing that eugene eugene said all skin folk ain't keen folk i don't know if that makes sense what that's a quote all skin folk ain't keen folk all skin what? folk and queen. Hey, hey. That's a, that's a serious one. <laughs> that's <laughs> a serious one. You have to quote her. You have to make her own quote board. Hey. I, I don't know. I don't know if you've, if you've heard of that. But like, I don't know if you agree with me. Some people, once once they get, once the, the stereotype rather, is that once black people get into these um, positions of... Um, power or positions of like high 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 positions generally it's like once you get that you don't want to make room for other people to to reach the the point that you've reached it's like you you almost want to make their life harder and that's with with things that i've researched on with things that i personally have experienced it's it's not right it's not right mm-hmm. and especially with corporate oh my god i have had one too many stories of okay there's a black person and there's a black person in power but it's like you you want to keep this this space for yourself and maybe that's what's mm-hmm. happening and maybe that's why the diversity inclusion within the corporate world hasn't been growing and i would also want to to ask both of you because both of you are entrepreneurs do you feel like you leaned onto entrepreneurship because um, do you feel like as a black person, it's easier for you to lean more onto entrepreneurship or strive uh, to reach this um, high uh, position within corporate? Like, mm-hmm. do you feel like that's why black people are leaning, are leaning more into entrepreneurship as opposed to um, the corporate world? I mean, I seriously feel like everybody that's making major moves, not just entrepreneurship as well, everything from entrepreneurship to sports, you see a lot, a lot, like majority, a lot of black players in football leagues around the world, the NBA. So it's a lot to do with blacks taking back power as to freedom of choice because we can do this and we're not going to let go of the fact that we can so me and eugene we can build up something we can build up a legacy as two black boys from nairobi you know so it's not yeah. about it shouldn't be about anybody's skin color the world can choose to see us in this form but we are at the point in time where we won't let anybody stop us from getting to where we need to be and bringing up the people behind us as well because one of the things about Eugene and I, I don't think we would ever fail to plug our friends' businesses or to start businesses with them. I think in the past month, I've started businesses with God knows how many people. And I know some of them might not work out, but the fact that all those people are getting a taste of what business is, entrepreneurship, you're empowering their youth around you. Um, and you know, the local government might not be as supportive as we would wish them to be. And that's another topic we'll discuss later on. But um, for us, 
doing what we can to bring up the people around us and also show the world that all right we're here man we're gonna be billionaires there's nothing you can do about it no but corporate culture is also a very interesting factor because african corporate culture and international corporate culture is so so different i mean in africa headquarters they've sort of um adopted the white people's uh views you know so you a lot of times i'm always told you will never get a job with your hair and that's by a black person in africa you know <laughs> like, it does not make sense i mean i'm in africa bro like what is what is this mindset that you have why why did you adopt an american or a white person's mindset how are you adopting a racist mindset and forcing that on everybody who comes to get a job you know and that's one reason me i'm in entrepreneurship it is like alice realized if you wanted to be because world world that matters is you have to be happy dude if you actually wanted to be truly happy you have to do what you you have, you have to fit you, you don't need to fit yourself into somebody else's description you do what you do man end of story that's very very true actually but there is and... a big struggle climbing up the corporate ladder um like i remember there's this post obviously flying around on twitter telegram nini the kenyan startups and the people who lead them they are like opposites dude you know you have a startup in kenya for example I'll give you one one a startup is called m copper do you know where who do you know who runs that startup do you know who funds that startup <laughs> i saw i saw that, that the americans how, how can a, yeah. how can a white person call something m copper and us we use it us we think m copper oh wait wait, wait 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 hold on what are you serious yes bro it's called, google it right now the guys who fund m copper are americans bro white people Wow. And that's one okay. thing, you know, because like it's it's so hard for Africans to get funding in VC. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You know how many times how many venture capitals I've gone to and I've just lost because of my skin color. Like they're so hesitant to believe in any African business. I mean, it's going out. It's gone it's gotten to the point where like sometimes you have to now reach out to a friend of yours that you know is white just so that they can apply on your behalf or something. Yeah, dude. Oh my god. It's, it's it's really bad, you know, and even even like like you go there you'll have the best idea in the world but they'll be like fuck this guy's an African is probably The pitch will be amazing and everything, yeah. And that's it's really pissing off, man. It really is. And I don't know why even in even in Africa, Africans are so hesitant to lend to Africans. You look in the US, if me I wanted a $50,000 loan in the US, I'll go to the bank. And I'll ask them, I'll give them my business plan and they'll probably give me the money because they all believe in entrepreneurship. And that's me as a black person in America. I go as a black person in Africa. You get nine, nine out of ten times they refuse your loan proposal. Like, why don't you believe in African business? But a, a guy from America can come and say, oh, I need $100,000 and he'll be given the loan and his business plan is not even that strong. Right here, KCB. <laughs> like, absolutely. Oh, I'm not naming anybody, but... <laughs> <laughs> but the banks the banks the banks some of them they're lending i don't know man like something oh, some of them some of them like you know you don't realize that most titans of industry look at places like america the titans of industry build those industries with loans you know mm-hmm. it takes mm. man and you know there's so many industries that's why so many things like in kenya are not started by kenyans because they can't get the funding to start it i'm copper club started by kenya couldn't get the funding something like global club is started by kenya couldn't get the funding you know something like transferwise cool. which i even tried to start on my own 
I couldn't get the funding for and the idea was brilliant the revenue model was out of this world and I still couldn't get funding man but yeah it's so you feel like, uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah do you feel like that's why SMEs aren't growing as much because exactly. of 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 what's going on exactly. especially in that sector exactly because mm-hmm. the access to loans is so bad you know like even people reputable like you know 10 years in industry their company is profitable year after year they still don't get these loans man these loans I mean, are what build businesses yeah. man like it, i've just been playing this game it's called um it's called uh shit um anyway it's it's by rich dad don't don't rich don't rich dad side yeah yeah don't rich dad side so basically you're supposed to grow your your businesses so your passive income is more than your uh expenses and that's when you win the game and there there's a series of loan you take with terms and the loan seems so easy to get and that's what truly builds an economy man end of story and yeah i mean there's a reason why all of these loan sharks so for example the guys you see on the billboards not all of them are loan sharks but i'm saying there are more than you realize you know they'll tell you give me your logbook or something 24 hours process alone done because there's a market and with all things business you work with supply and demand so um there's a lot of demand for loans the official route is not supplying it and there's somebody who knows his idea is solid and um so he'll go to a loan shark um because he's so confident in his idea the bank will not loan it out to him maybe because he has no credit history or loan history he doesn't have assets but some of the time you know if you were yeah 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 if you were let's say for example a white person in that position you would have gotten it straight from the bank but you know there's still these loan organizations in the US for example but those are completely mm-hmm. different those are because of you know um poor pay or something but in this case the access to the loan at all is not available so people have to go through this alternate route of backstreet dealers giving in your car's logbook you know title deed loans and that now stifles um economic growth when these small businesses fail to grow due to predatory um interest rates we've seen six months they'll be charged like what 50 percent if they don't repay it back and it's in the fine 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 print yeah so they don't realize it and after six months the guys will come back ask you one time where's the money um it's in the contract you signed it no 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 they don't have access to proper legal help so you end up taking their car and everything so again back to square one you're out of a job you're out of a car and you don't have access to a loan because the bank still will not give you anything since now you have no assets to begin with but so it's sad some I don't know how to say this but unracist white people <laughs> that's as <laughs> the most like people they are they are very people very good I have white people who are actually really good people as my friends and like there's some of these who set up organizations for funding for Africans for example even Africans by Africans if you go to Mauritius is it Mauritius yeah you go to Mauritius with your title deed they'll give you a loan let's say you want a million dollars i'll give it to you and i'll give you a five year payment gap so it means for five years you don't pay back the loan you get your business running in any cash flow and after five years they start charging you interest of like two three percent the only condition is that you have a mauritian on the board 
So it creates jobs for them and it allows them to lend to, to Africans. So like, I mean, there's so many of these options and also something we need to talk about is, you know, as an African, if, because I've never, I've never been in the workplace. I've never really been truly in a diverse workplace. Um, but if I was in a scenario and there's racial injustice in the workplace, I don't lie to you, me, I wouldn't cause smoke. I can't cause smoke at the workplace. Maybe I cannot cause <laughs> Actually, smoke. Huh? Like like people, most people talk about having to tone down their blackness whenever the, especially in corporate. Like you have to tone down your blackness because um, you can't be too loud, you can't be um, too aggressive, for lack of like better wording. Yeah. Like you can't genuinely be yourself. And and from the research I've done, mm-hmm. and just looking into other people's experiences and mine as well, it's like everyone is like. I had to leave because I needed to be myself. And and there's some who those are the ones who were able to make it out. Some can't because I mean you have to make a living one way or another. So the only way to do that is like kind of like tone down your blackness. Like my question is like why why do we have to feel like we have to do that? You know, it, it shouldn't have to be that way. So I mean I completely agree. I completely agree. Um but like as all of you know, when here in Void, we're not just about shouting about problems. So um, I want us to now talk about, um, as difficult as it would seem, how would we deal with racial inequality, A, work in, in terms of, you know, the workplace and everything, and now also like tailored towards corporates and um, how we would basically adopt diversity and embrace it not just have it as a racial quota, you know, um, in terms of business and the workplace and everything in between. So, yeah, let's just let's just get some ops on that. Um, yeah, I mean, personally, I would think that um, racial injustice, as much as people say education, education. Um, I wonder how well that has worked in the past. You know, it just shifted mm-hmm. the narrative from owning people as slaves and i know this is a harsh comparison um but it shifted from owning people as slaves to you know pulling people out of line in the mall because they are they fit up basically um so um of course one of the only ways to do this is through stricter rules in my opinion um a lot of you know about brianna taylor um the cop the cop that shot her in her bed was acquitted um, and I saw a really powerful quote that said, the cop that was arrested for murdering Brianna Taylor, he was charged more for the shots he missed than the ones that killed her because I think he was charged something for defamation of property because what? there was a bullet in a hole in the wall or something, but that just speaks volume of, it speaks volumes of how bad the situation is, even if, in some places like the UK, it's, you know, it's it's low-key racism, but it's still very prevalent. What? Um, yeah. For me, it would be like, personally, personally, I feel like change always starts with you. So for me, you know, we always scream, oh, educate yourself, educate yourself, educate yourself. I still stand by that. But I feel like on a personal level, you should learn why your culture, where you come from, 
um, your for lack of like this is this is so um, cliche, but your ancestors and your and your connect Love back, you. go back to your roots. I mean, if you have a better understanding of who you are and how colonization or how racism has impacted you as a person and your community around you, and then you can you know deal with it on a wider scope. If I feel like if you have a better understanding of who you are and where you come from. Um, it's easier for you to, you know, explain and, and educate yourself. If you understand why these things happen and how they happen and how they impacted um, your community and your country on a wider level, I mean, it's, it starts with you. I personally think it starts with you. Once you understand, you get a better, um, you, you gain better understanding and you have more ideas on how to, you know, deal with these things and educate other people i feel like oh that's that's another story <laughs> but but yeah i feel like it starts with you i mean it's surprising that you go out of your way to let's say educate someone and the immediate response you'll get and this is very very similar to you know feminism and all that but that's a completely different topic which we'll probably cover in another podcast but um people will be so quick to defend themselves, you know, yo, I haven't called anyone a nigger, yo, you know, I don't shout at anyone or click at anyone in public, I mean, I haven't shot a black person, you know, that's the type of stuff, and um, this is something I encountered when I went for one of the international conferences, Um, it was a topic of discussion, of course, and so, talk about you talk about it, and someone actually says, I'm not a racist, I haven't shot anyone, and from there, where do you even go in that discussion? Is it right for you to keep on, you know, pushing to educate them? Or is the right thing to step back before you accidentally punch them in the okay, face? The point where it's just ignorance, dude. Ignorance, ignorance, ignorance. Seriously. Ignorance, dude. Mm-hmm. It's very true. It's very true. And like in corporate now, it's going to be completely different because, as you said, this is people's lives at stake because that job might be providing for your family. You can't outright call people, you know, out for it because you're putting your livelihood at risk. And out of this, people still need to eat at the end of the day. Um, I do believe there can be peace without great suffering to reverse quote Thanos, I guess. But anyways, um, in corporate now, I guess um, since, you know, in business, the whole thing is centered around money. Everyone wants to make money out of the, at the end of the day in business. Um, this is a, you know, completely off the top of my head idea. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I don't think that the human resources and racial complaints are taken as seriously as they can be. Um, I I can bet as much money as you'd like that if there was financial repercussions taken for every racial complaint in the workplace, then that would give corporates a serious, serious reason, you know, to actually listen and make changes because once those complaints start eating into profit, you know, there's a serious, serious fuck up somewhere because how can people be complaining about being racially abused so much that those costs start to acquire because a thousand dollars one thousand times that's a million dollars and 
like people will notice that people will notice that so you know it might be a brute force approach but in the past most changes come when there was um what people would call irrational action at that time but um yeah as person you want to believe in so racial inequality definitely definitely a systematic fuck up um you know society and everything the way we look at it at first is very very misguided and so we hope that this podcast you know has just been a little bit of a help in guiding the people around us to see what sort of racial inequality we're talking about and how we can go about it a little suggestion can go a long way um but yeah um anything from Eugene anything from Andrew to close before we hop off um i feel like i didn't about corporate i feel like i don't know if this would help but to have diversity um training workshops um some people genuinely don't know like like Eugene said it's just ignorance like some people genuinely don't know and i'd want to believe part of me wants to believe that the people who would want to learn so if a floor can be opened within you know that training workshops for literally all sorts of things so why not have one for diversity training because some people don't even understand why your hair grows the way it grows <laughs> or um why you know just the little little things i feel like diversity training workshops would 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 be a plus i mean for both sides yeah 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 crazy 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 stuff man and excellent excellent discussion man I seriously learned a lot eugene tell us man i think spit the control i agree with tasha um there has to be diversity training and genuinely if by the other idea of fines well I mean the fines the fines will only make people suppress their racism you know mm-hmm. but they could literally form a group of we hate black people on the law and you will know just chat shit about you on <laughs> so the law couple do the education so yeah but that couple do the education you know you don't have to force people to accept that's why I don't want to find them but educating them on the ones who actually take up the education are the ones who end up being better people end of story and that's the difference made at the end of the day yeah Yeah, that's it. Hi. Yo, thank you. Thank you guys for those of you at home listening on this wherever you are in the world. Again, our intention was not to bash any white people out there. We're just trying to do our parts in educating and pushing the society to a better place. And so we we hope we've 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 done our part to help. Um thank you for listening. Please share this as much as you can. Educate a friend that you feel would need to hear this. you know share this to make someone else's day um but thank you thank you so much our other podcast smashed a thousand downloads in total so that's actually a huge milestone we appreciate that guys um we'll see you back after the break uh, we hope you've enjoyed season 1 um it's been a crazy ride so thank you guys see you. cheers guys boom